Welcome to another inspirational teaching from the Neighborhood Church. We pray that you be blessed by it. The importance of understanding names is quite high to me. That's why we're going to do this series over the next six weeks, including tonight, called That's Not My Name. And the purpose is this, forgetting who God really is, is like forgetting who, were we, who we were composed to be. God has many names and is called many things, some good, some bad, some ugly, some useful. And I, I, hope, I hope tonight that this um, pushes on you a little bit in your understanding of God in how you address him in prayer, how you address him in society, and, and what you even think about the, the composition of who God is in your life and, and around your theology. When we talk about God or anyone else, it, it reflects what we really think of them, like a, a mirror of our heart or our soul language. And when, it, when we consider God and and everything that drums up in people. Some people are willing to risk their life and their well-being to, to be missionaries or, or, or to do something very severe for God. They, they have bought into the concept of God so severely that it's like, you know what, if I feel like God is telling me to do this, I'm, I'm going to give up everything, I'm going to move across the world, and I'm going to follow Him. Some would give up everything they have for a dream that God has given them. If God maybe speaks to your heart and is like, I need you to open a coffee shop, and you're like, wow, I got a six-figure salary, I'm not really interested in losing all of my money and becoming super-duper poor. But, but it's those incredible dreamers who, who have bought into their relationship with God so severely that if God's like, you know what, I need you to open a coffee shop, it's like, yes. Let's open that coffee shop. And if it's a Christian coffee shop, you call it Hebrews. You laughed. Thank you. For some, the, the name of God itself brings up such negative emotion and, and such fury and fire that, that they will stand up in front of a classroom that they teach and declare that God is imaginary, that God doesn't exist, that everything we think we know about God is strictly emotion and fairy tales written in a book, stories told over time that may or may not be true. If we think that God is always looking down on us in judgment and always trying to find a way to get back at us for our sin and, and somehow squash us a little further, we, we can't wait for hurricane season to to come so that we can say, look, God is judging the earth again. And these are all different ways that, that some people like to express their, their inner mirror of what God is really like in their life. Maybe God is kind to them. Maybe God is judgmental to them. Maybe God is pure. Maybe God is imaginary. But we all express our images of God through our language on a daily basis. And it reflects the the versions of our theology and how we understand and land on love and grace. I believe quite often we unfairly talk about God and we speak for Him 
when maybe he's not saying what we like to convey to the world around us. We say, God hates that. God hates when you do that. You're breaking God's heart. How do, how do you know that? Can you see God's heart? And so there's the, all of these concepts when we use the name of God that really need to be boiled down and, and figured out, okay, what is God like? What is His character truly like? If He was sitting down today with us having wings, what would that conversation go like? If He looked out on society, He looked out on mankind tomorrow, is He angry? Is He smiling? Is He filled with love? Where does He sit? So over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at this. And we're going to answer the question, can an ancient God keep up with our modern world? And I don't think we're going to answer that tonight, but we're going to certainly allude to it and start building our case. You come back in the weeks to come. So let's start looking at some interactions with God through Scripture. As we, as we start to decode his character and look at, uh, at his names. So Genesis 28, 16. And we've got it on Sky Bible for you tonight. So let's read this. So we've got Jacob. Jacob is in the middle of a dream. Jacob is dreaming. And this is what happens. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord. Notice the capital letters. Stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your, of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. And they will spread out in all directions to the west and to the east, to the north, to the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you. Hello. I am with you. And I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Then Jacob woke up from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The Lord, capital letters. It might seem like one of your relatives is sending you an email in caps lock, which is shouting. If you send emails or texts with caps lock on, it's shouting. Stop that. Unless you are shouting in your emails or texts. I get a lot of emails with caps locks. It's shouting. Stop that. I am the Lord. Those are on capitals on purpose. Yahweh, the proper name of God. God's real name. God has a name. He is a person. God is a noun. God is a person. 
I love that Jacob says, I wasn't even aware of it. Wait, God, God was here, and I didn't even realize he was here? I think far too often we like to think of God as distant and somewhere else in the world when God is here, and we're just not aware of it. Second piece of scripture we're going to look at, Exodus 3. We got that? Excellent. 9 to 15. So here is a situation with the great Moses. Mo is hanging out in the wilderness. He is walking around, and there is a bush, a piece of shrubbery. And um, he notices that the shrubbery is on fire, but the shrubbery is not going out. It just keeps burning and burning and burning. So he figures, I will go over yonder, again, the King James, I will go over yonder and uh, I will check out what is going on with this shrubbery. And all of a sudden, he finds himself locked in a communication with God. And so this is halfway through the conversation. He says, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. So the Egyptian king, who is holding an entire nation in captivity with his giant army, and um, I am sending you to this guy, you a murderer, Moses was a murderer, and he couldn't really go back there, but um, I'm going to send you back there, a murderer who has not been tried or gone through any of this stuff, so why don't you go back there and lead my people out? But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, like he should in this weird interaction. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? So God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, back to his proper name, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, who we just talked about, has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Wow. God says, use my proper name when addressing my people. Then they'll know that this is serious and this isn't a joke. And I love that there is a portion in here that is a constant reminder to the people of Israel. Go and address them. They are, they are knees deep in slavery. They are knees deep in, in everything that's happening around them. Life does not look good. They are currently at their worst. 
I want you to remind them about me. They forgot. Remind them, the God of your forefathers, he's still here, and uh, I'm going to get you out of this. I haven't, I haven't forgotten you. How often do we need to be reminded of that? When we are knees deep in life, we're we looking around and we're constantly trying to figure out, how do I pay this debt off? How do I deal with all this drama? How do I, how do I make life make sense again? Well, God's always with us. Maybe we just need to talk to Him more. Maybe we just need to call on His name and remember who He really is. Next piece of Scripture. We're going to jump now um, all the way to Matthew. And this is where it's going to get a little bit more interesting for us today. Because that was good for the Old Testament guys, but let's talk about us today. Matthew 1.23. It's the Christmas verse. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So, remind the Israelites um, that I'm still here. The slavery, the bondage that they're in, I'm still here. I'm going to get you out of this. Then we jump here and it's like, okay, I'm going to send Jesus and um, he means God with us. I hope you're catching the theme. Acts 2. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues. Filled. God with us. Remind them that I'm still here. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Our triune God. Next verse. James 4, 8. Come close to God and God will come close to you. As we know in, in Scripture, the, the Bible was not written in English, and so there's Aramaic, and there's Hebrew, and there's Greek. But it's interesting that the same word for Matthew 1.23 is used in James 4.8. God is with us. So draw close to Him, and He's going to draw close to you. See, we can, we can talk about God like he's not in the room. Just like we can talk about people who aren't in the room. My children are upstairs in kids' ministry. We can have a full-out conversation about how funny kids are and tell pastor stories about pastor's kids. Because they're not in the room. You can't talk about God like he's not in the room because God's in the room. You can't escape God. He gives us these reminders that he's here and he's not going anywhere. That doesn't sound like a very um, judgmental and angry God to me. That sounds like a God who's super involved in my life and a God who wants to see great things happen through me. Our very present God, 
There's a, there's a severity in, in using the names of God. There's a severity to, um, to the word Yahweh, where we, we see the capital letters in Lord. And um, even through Scripture, there's different places where it wasn't written out. It wasn't even, even said in temple because we didn't want to tarnish the name of God. And so words like Adonai came up and, and different other words that we would use in case the purity of our hearts wasn't there. And, and quite often even Adonai was used um, for, for conversation with Gentiles because they, they don't deserve the name of God. Our very present God, the properness of who He is. So through the series that we're going to go through several of the names of God, and obviously we can't get through them all because we would be here for the next five years to properly dissect everything and, and go through it. So this is, this is a quick Passover, um, a look down from an airplane type of a deal. But what I've done is I've kind of isolated down to a rubric that we're going to look at. And we'll just start with, with the first name of God on this one. And so, um, can you, I think it should be the next slide. I hope it's, yeah, great. So, we want to look at, uh, at the character trait that the, that the name gives us. The action that occurred, the attribute we add, and the continuation that we see in the name of God that we look at. And um, I had to mix up the order a little bit so it didn't say kaka. Because if you're like me, you would see that and not be able to sit through the rest of the sermon because you would just continuously laugh. And I fear that my poor wife now will only be able to see the screen as it is. So character, what do we know to be true? What do we know to be true? So God is near historically to people. We know that God is a person. This is what we know to be true. God is real. We look at the action. So through these, these five scriptures, God speaks and God is known to us. We look at the attribute of God. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. It is such a foreign concept to my brain. Like you say these things like omnipresence and you're like, yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. But then do we really understand what that means? Do, do we really understand that God can be everywhere? He, he is God. Our triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy. God is everywhere. Everything is held together by the fact that God exists. That's huge. That's absolutely huge. God, in essence, is everywhere. His omnipresence. I think the power of that right there, we, we tend to, to focus on, um, we tend to focus on dark things. We, we tend to focus on, well, like, well, the devil's going to get you. Well, the devil's not omnipresent. God is more powerful and God is omnipresent. You have a powerful God on your side. 
And I think when we, we try to mirror what's in our hearts as we explain God, that's a very important thing to know, that we have a powerful God on our side. And the, the final is, is the continuation. The continuation. Where, where do we see God happening through the rest of Scripture? We can look at this in Genesis and in Exodus, but we, we see God picking up steam through, throughout Scripture. He sends His Son. He sends His Holy Spirit. He empowers the church. And we go forward. We don't go forward alone. We go forward in empowerment of the Holy Spirit, God with us, God inside of us, God pushing us forward. God is near to us now. God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. They didn't even need to, to use his proper name. It, they didn't need to pray. He was just there. It's like, I wonder what God thinks about about these leaves. These leaves are beautiful. I like them a lot. Okay. There was, there was just that closeness, that communication that was, that was perfect. Jacob, Moses, the Israelites, the people that interacted with Jesus, God was present. The early church but the thing about all of this, the thing about the entire piece of Scripture put together and dumped together is this. We all need reminding of who God is and that God is still there and that God is still on our side. He's not going anywhere. And this might seem like an incredibly simplistic place to start but it's incredibly necessary. God 101 is that He is a person and close by us today. When you sit in a chair in church and you just finish a worship time and you, you felt God through worship and, and you're starting to see things in Scripture and, and it's like, yeah, God, God was at church tonight. Well, guess what? God's going to be eating pizza with you later, too. And when you go to bed, he's going to be sitting there in a chair beside you, smiling. Just think that through. That's weird. <laughs> God is never far away. He's never going to be far away. He's never going to abandon you. He's never going to walk out of the room. He's never going to leave you in a situation you cannot handle. Our God is bigger than that, and our God cares way more about us than we could even try to come up with the words for. If I could get the band to start moseying out, that would be cool. We whitewash the term God to something that we create through the filters in the mirrors of our personal theologies to the place where he's not really capital letters Lord anymore. He might be, might be the God that we're singing to a little bit on Sundays and Saturdays for you folk, but he's not that capital letter Lord of our lives that he should be. 
We soften who God is. But I believe that if we can grasp his personhood, we can grasp his personality, we can grasp the fact that his presence is here, we can really start to understand who he is and let that absorb into our lives and come out in how we talk about him, come out in our prayer, come out in our teachings, come out in our speech. If we can truly grasp who he is, we can truly grasp who God is. Would you guys stand with me this evening? I want to learn in my life, I want to learn what, what it would look like for me to sit down and have wings with God. What would those conversations be like? If Jesus was here today and he sat down next to me, how would I interact with him? Would, it, would I have to change my language? Would, would, I, would I have to try and like adapt how I'm thinking so that he could understand me? Would I be able to joke with him? Like, what would sitting down with Jesus be like? How would his character come out in those conversations? That's what we're going to look at these next couple of weeks. But I can tell you this. I think God is a lot like that God we saw in the garden who just liked to hang out and talk with us person to person. We don't have to pray to him in King James. We don't have to muster up the energy or get clean enough to come into his presence. We, we can just start talking to him today. We can just address him as, God, we love you. God, thank you. Thank you that I had air to breathe today. Thank you that I had the opportunities that you gave me today. Thank you that I have everything that surrounds me. Thank you that I can come to you and call you Father. And before I even come to you with everything that's weighing me down, you already know. And you're already there to give me a giant hug and say, it's going to be okay. We can get through this together we can get through this together we have a loving caring very present very involved God and sometimes our perceptions of who he is and the experiences we've gone through and the good teachings and the bad teachings make it cloudy and they make it tough to come before him. They make it tough to stand in front of God and say, I'm, I'm here. Because we want to initially just kind of cower back from that. The good news is this tonight. You can just come right to God with everything going on in your heart, everything going on in your mind and your spirit and say, Father, I'm here, and I love you. 
and I know it's going to be okay. Okay.